Thank you for tuning in to the 207th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may, may be listening to me via. I'm going to have a great podcast for all you guys today. It's going to be a solo pod, a mini pod, shorter than usual. <laughs> Had three different guests uh, renege, uh, all for various different reasons. One was uh, my fault and the Wi-Fi wasn't working, but we're going to go on anyway. going to do a podcast. I want to have a couple points that I want to talk about uh, with football, and then a little bit later I'm going to delve into uh, Game 4 of the NBA Finals. The Lakers went up 3-1, but here's where I want to start. So everybody was watching the Monday night game. Uh, the Patriots versus the Chiefs. The Cam Newton was out. Uh, the game was shipped to Monday because of COVID. And when I had Kenny Sim on, uh, we uh, we have he's on every Monday. By the way, if you want to peep that, every Monday uh, when we recap uh, every week of NFL action, and he was talking about can Bill Belichick formulate a plan to slow down Patrick Mahomes in this prolific Chiefs offense? And when he mentioned the Chiefs offense, he put them in the same breath, the same air as teams such as the Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning, right? When Peyton Manning broke uh, Tom Brady's 50-yard, 50-touchdown pass record with him, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, uh, I believe they might have had Brandon Stokely too. Uh, They were amazing. And then the 07 Patriots, as a Bills fan, I remember that, right? You have uh, Wes Welker, you have Randy Moss, uh, Tom Brady's just doing everything uh, you can imagine on the football field, just dominating. And he compared it to those two offenses. So that kind of shows you where the Chiefs are in, in the history of the game, right? They have Tyree Kill, they have McCole Hardman, they have Sammy Watkins, former Buffalo Bill, by the way. Uh, Clyde's Edward Hilaire, Hilaire. Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends in the game. So this offense is explosive. And we saw the Patriots stymie the Chiefs. The game was 6-3 in the third quarter. 6-3. And let me preface this also by saying NFL defenses have been struggling all, all season. They've all been bad for the most part. They're all like five teams are giving up 30 plus points a game. That's just not good. It's just not. Now, how did the Patriots do it though, right? I think there's a couple factors. First of all, and I've mentioned this, the Chiefs were coming off an emotional game against the Baltimore Ravens, right? It was supposed to be the super big Monday Night Football game. I think there was a little bit of a come down after that. I think then we go to Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, uh, one of the greatest defensive minds to ever grace the game of football. He has another day to prepare because of COVID, right? So it's supposed to be on Sunday, it's Monday. He gets another day to prepare, another day to scheme. So I think that helps. And the Patriots, this is as a Bills fan, this is what I know about the Patriots. Fundamentally sound, they don't beat themselves, always make smart plays. Basically what the Patriots did, and this is how you're going to have to stop Patrick Mahomes, and I, and I thought this was a great idea by Bill Belichick. They dropped everybody in the coverage. They dropped eight people in the coverage. 
Uh, they had only three people rushing the passer. I believe sometimes I saw they had two rushing the passer. And they're forcing Patrick Mahomes to uh, make the right reads into like his own coverage. And then it's you get a seven-yard uh, catch, right? Ten-yard catch. Forcing them to work their way down the field. And it, it, it stops the, because the, the Chiefs offense is so explosive, right? It limits the explosive plays because when you have... Four, a bunch of 4-3 guys like Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins. That's what you need to do. And also a lot of the time what the Patriots were doing is they were disguising it as they had like five guys at the line of scrimmage. Then two drop back. Then there's still three rushing just to kind of get the Chiefs off their game. Like, are they coming? Are they going? Is this going to be a blitz? No, they're all dropping back. Forcing Patrick Mahomes a lot of the times to try to escape out the pocket and make plays. Now, do I think every team in the NFL can empa can implement a scheme like this? Probably not. I mean, the Patriots also, there's plays where Tyreek Hill got tackled downfield, and then you see uh, a Jason McCourty tackle him right there. Not a lot of people can tackle Tyreek Hill one-on-one, right? You have to have the scheme, you have to have the players, and then you have to have the physical talent on the field to do it. But the Patriots had all three, and they did it. I would almost say to perfection, right? And we all know the secondary, when I mentioned you're dropping eight guys, the secondary the Patriots have, they have the best secondary in the league. You have Stephon Gilmore, you have Jason McCourty, you have Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson, Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips. All these guys can play. Some of the best guys in their position in the NFL, particularly Devin McCourty and Stephon Gilmore. Really, really good football players. Really good. And the Patriots control the clock. 31 to 28 in terms of time of possession minutes-wise. And the Patriots had awful QB play. Stidham and Brian Hoyer had three interceptions, one touchdown. If Cam Newton's in that game, the Patriots probably win. So I think there's a lot of good to come out of this for the New England Patriots. And I I think we did see a way. Ah, you got to stop Patrick Mahomes. Make it difficult. Force him to go through his first read, second read, third read. Do not allow the explosive plays. Because we saw with the Ravens, right? The Ravens just want to blitz. They want to play physical. They're like, we're going to out-physical. Out-physical? No, you cannot out-physical the Chiefs. You cannot just blitz Patrick Rome's. They will tear you up and they will light your butt up. Just like how the Ravens got lit up on Monday night. So there's that. Now, I want to go to this, too. The The other Monday night football game, you have the Green Bay Packers versus the Atlanta Falcons. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. But what I think the bigger story here is, and I've talked about this at nauseum on my podcast, the Packers drafted Jordan Love with their first-round pick. In Aaron Rodgers' whole career, Jordan Love was the first time they ever drafted an offensive player in the draft. Not an offensive lineman, not a receiver, not even a fullback, <laughs> a running back, wide out, it was a backup quarterback to eventually replace Aaron. And Aaron Rodgers has been on a tour de force. He's playing supremely well. I just want to read some of his stats. 13 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, 70.5 completion percentage, over 300 passing yards per game, 8.7 yards per pass attempt, 128.4 passer rating, second in the league, and a 92.8 QBR First in the league. Aaron Rodgers is a top three quarterback playing wise right now. I'd say you can put him, Josh Allen, and Russell Wilson 
in that category. They're playing the the highest levels of any quarterbacks in the league right now. Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. It's those three guys. I'd I'd probably put Russell Wilson one, uh, Aaron Rodgers two, Josh Allen three, if you want me to rank them. And Aaron Rodgers is playing in a way that some people are talking about. I hear pundits on TV. They're like, is this sustainable? And it's probably not, right? 13 <laughs> 13 touchdowns and zero picks to start off the season. That's pretty freaking good. Your team's 4-0. He's playing at extreme level. But is it possible that the Packers are drafting Jordan Love? We know Aaron Rodgers was pissed. We know Aaron Rodgers is a bit of a cocky dude. That it motivated him to have one of his best seasons ever. Because Aaron Rodgers also mentioned this. He was asked by a reporter, and it was not a little cocky, right? Aaron's like, my down years are other quarterbacks' career years. And that's kind of like a shot at the league, maybe a little bit of a shot at the Packers' front office, a shot at Matt, at head coach Matt LaFleur for drafting Jordan Love, maybe even a shot at Jordan Love himself. Like, do you guys know who I am? Do you guys know what I represent? So I imagine Aaron Rodgers, like, sports movie style. He sees Roger Goodell on Zoom do the pick, right, because of COVID. Couldn't be in a, couldn't be in their location, right? Had to do it all online. He hears about it. Aaron Rodgers is pissed. Stews about it. Doesn't say a word to anybody in his house. I believe he has a girlfriend. Doesn't say a word to her. Gets up in the morning. I could see him running two mi- two miles, right? Then he's he's with his trainer. He starts throwing the ball at his trainer. His trainer's throwing it back, and. They're talking about it, and he's like, F Matt LaFleur. <laughs> then he throws it back, and he throws it harder. The trainer's like, okay, Aaron, I get it. You're a little pissed. You're letting your emotions get to you, my guy. Throws it back. Then he throws it back again. Like, boom. Harder. 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 Those are the point where it's ripping off skin off his hands, and he's like, I am going to show all these mother effers. Probably use a different word, but I'm just going to keep this PG for the kids. I'm going to show all these mother effers. I'm the best quarterback in the game still. This Jordan Love guy is not on my level. He never was and he never will be. And we're going to win a Super Bowl and I'm going to rub it in all their faces. Do they know who I am? That's what I imagine Aaron Rodgers. And I imagine him being super motivated, you know, kind of prove to everybody else. I am still this good. You, Green Bay, you really want to get rid of me? In a couple years for Jordan Love? Huh, see if Jordan Love can ever play like this. Hey, Jordan Love, I'm not going to tell you anything. Just watch and learn the Jedi Master. Just watch and see how I play the game, how I manipulate the game. How when a player goes off sides, I throw 40 yards down the field and get a free play. Quarterbacking at its highest level, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. So I think this is a big reason why Aaron Rodgers is having such a great year. The motivation, the internal motivation, because when you're as great as somebody like Aaron Rodgers, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that extra spark in you that lets you know that, you know, why I need to push a little bit harder, why I need to hit the weights a little harder, run a little faster, uh, maybe train an hour longer, because people don't believe in you. Particularly when people in your own organization, people closest to you don't believe in you. That must hurt. That must sting in a foul way. And Aaron Rodgers playing pissed off. And the Green Bay Packers are happy for it because they're 4-0 right now. Now, kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, going to talk about the NBA Finals. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk.
Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. Still doing the solo podcast. Channeling my inner Colin Cowherd. Uh, or uh, Clay Travis. Clay Travis does a lot of these. So, I do want to say this really quickly before I get to the NBA Finals. Uh, rest in peace to Eddie Van Halen. Uh, just for this intro, uh, for the music, uh, Sweet Victory, a song by the band, uh, the band Van Halen that... Uh, it was really good. It's personal to me because for everybody that's my age, if you're about 18 to 22, younger, older, maybe a little bit older, everybody remembers that SpongeBob episode with Squidward. <laughs> and uh, they play Van Halen. I think it was football too. They were playing at the football stadium because it was uh, Squidward had his rival and uh, SpongeBob and everybody, they learned how to play all these instruments. It was like for the Super Bowl or whatever. It was, it was crazy. I remember that. It's my favorite SpongeBob episode of all time. If any of you have not seen it, uh, I challenge you to go on YouTube, uh, just type in Spongebob uh, band performance, or maybe Spongebob, a sweet victory, just type that in, episode, uh, and you'll probably get it. Uh, it's like Squidward, it's like, one, two, three, four. So yeah, well, really one of an inspirational, uh, one of my favorite uh, Spongebob episodes of all time, the favorite actually, uh, it's that in the... The Power of Imagination. Those are my two favorites. Uh, also, a couple other songs I did was uh, Jump. Uh, also, Right Now, a song that I listen to when I work out all the time. So, uh, rest in peace to Eddie Van Halen. Uh, a cultural icon music-wise, rock-wise, uh, and an inspiration. It's sad that he's dead because a uh, really talented musician. Now, I want to get to the NBA Finals. So, the Los Angeles Lakers are up 3-1. Uh they're probably going to win the series. I, I'm predicting they're probably it's going to be five five games. Uh, going to end the series next time they play two days from now. The Heat just don't have it. The minutes that Kendrick Nunn is playing in, uh, in place of Goran Dragic, it's just not the same. He's just not the same caliber of player. I think the series would actually be quite different if Goran Dragic was playing just as a steady hand, a guy that can make shots, uh, pass, distribute the ball, just be a plus. He was leading the Heat in scoring. I believe before, before the finals, before he got hurt, and now they lose that, and that's just such a big blow. They had Bam back, uh, but the Lakers are just better. Uh, LeBron and AD are the two best players in the court. I think AD is making an argument that maybe he's better than LeBron. AD was changing shots all game long. They could do nothing with AD. AD is uh, it's like watching Kevin Garnett. I think that's the status AD's in. It's like he's Kevin Garnett and. If he's ever, for some reason, won a championship without LeBron, then or, or one or two, then I think we have to start considering him in that Tim Duncan echelon, right? But I, I think right now he's firmly in the Kevin Garnett. You know, Kevin Garnett had the big three. He had the Rondos, the Paul Pierce's, the the Doc Rivers. Like he had a, he had all those guys, right? Ray Allen, and uh, couldn't do it on his own necessarily. Minnesota when they had him and Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell and all those guys. But I think that's where Anthony Davis is, where he's part of the group in Los Angeles, right? He's the second guy to LeBron, even though you could make the argument he's better than LeBron, right? Because what he does on defense is amazing. Uh, he is a seven-footer, and they have him guarding Jimmy Butler. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who won Defensive Player of the Year, he couldn't guard Jimmy Butler. They, I mean, excuse me. They, they don't want to put him on Jimmy Butler until, like, the fourth game. This should be the third game because he was he didn't play the fourth game to, to like, the third game. They didn't put him on him, right? 
And Giannis is seven foot. Giannis was defensive player of the year, and people were saying, "Oh, Giannis is a better health defender. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't have him sit down in the chair." No, they had Anthony Davis sit down in a chair and play Jimmy Butler, and he did a very damn good job on it. Anthony Davis's length bothered Jimmy Butler all game long, and you could tell. Also, his recovery is amazing. Just the diving on the floor, just the toughness, just Anthony Davis is a freak of nature, and people don't talk about it because he was with the New Orleans Pelicans for years, and they were atrocious, they were an abominable, they sucked. And now he's with LeBron, and now he's winning games, and I think LeBron's bringing the best out of him. And Anthony Davis is bringing the best out of LeBron. It's like the Wonder Twins. It's like Wonder Twins Unite. They're playing so well together, and you can kind of see how they feed off each other, and people are comparing them statistically to Kobe and Shaq, and I don't quite think they're as good, right? Like, we're talking about a pre-prime Kobe and a prime Shaq. I don't think that's necessarily, we're talking about a, a prime Anthony Davis and a post-prime LeBron. I'll take Kobe and Shaq every day of the week. But what makes this maybe a little bit more special is the fact that Anthony Davis and LeBron James like each other. Kobe and Shaq hate each other's guts. Anybody who follows like the Lakers in the early 2000s, they won despite each other. Right? It was two children who didn't want to play with each other. Like LeBron and AD, it's like they're both men who want to play with each other. They feed off each other. They love each other. You see when LeBron gets hard foul, Anthony Davis picks him up. He's like patting him on the back, patting him on the butt. Like, you got this, you got this. It's kind of like a high school team a little bit or a college team in terms of that atmosphere. And I think that's really helping the Lakers. Codwell Pope played really well. Today had like 15 points. Rondo's playing well, maybe not necessarily shooting-wise, but just as a passer, a defender, a distributor. And here's the thing. The Los Angeles Lakers have four Hall of Famers on their team. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and Rajon Rondo. If their careers ended today, they would all be Hall of Famers. All four of them. LeBron is arguably the greatest player of all time. Anthony Davis is, what, a top 10 player already at his position all time? I don't think that's even debatable. Rajon Rondo, one of the best playoff performers of all time, an NBA champion. Dwight Howard, uh, a top 15 big man of all time, Hall of Famer. The Heat have nobody on their team who's a Hall of Famer. I love Jimmy Butler. I love how tough Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler's not a freaking Hall of Famer, folks. He's just not. He's not a Hall of Famer. And you can just see the level of intensity, the level of ability. When the Lakers need to get a basket, they get a basket. And the Heat are doing everything to help and uh, double on LeBron and AD because those guys create so much attention and they're leaving these players like Danny Green and Codwell Pope open for threes and these guys are hitting shots and, and Kuzma's. These guys are hitting shots and they're not hitting it. It doesn't seem like they're hitting it at a super high percentage, but they're hitting it at just enough. And when you have the two best players on the court by a wide margin, this is what happens. Like I said, they're missing the minutes of Gorgon Dragic. And I know even guys like Tyler Hero. I love Tyler Hero. Hero's playing really well. But you're relying on a rookie to give you clutch minutes in the fourth quarter when you're up against LeBron and AD. That's just not how it works. Even Duncan Robinson, he's been playing really well, but that's just not how it works. The clock has struck midnight on the Miami Heat. Like, I compared the Heat to a college team, right, that nobody expects uh, to make the Final Four, but they make the Final Four, they make the championship. But if you really think about it, all those teams, they lose the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the North Carolina's in the finals. Baylor never, Butler never won when Butler got to the championship. They lost to UConn with Kimball Walker and Jim Calhoun, and they lost to Duke with Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, right? They lost. 
These teams, they, they, they don't make it. They never win the championship. The VCUs, the Wichita States, they don't win. That's what Miami is. The Lakers are the Kentuckys. They're the Blue Bloods. They don't lose. They win the championships. That's how it works. And the Heat run was nice. It was fun while it lasted. It was cool. Tyler Hero's everybody's hero. He's everybody's favorite white guy. I think he's replaced Luka Doncic in that regard. But just there are levels to this. And the Heat are on another level. And LeBron's going to have his coronation. Now, lastly, before we end the podcast, I want to talk about this really quickly. So, Trey Lance. And for all of you who don't know who Trey Lance is, he is uh, one of the top quarterback prospects in this upcoming NFL draft. I know a lot of discussion is about Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson, and Justin Fields, the quarterback of Ohio State. Uh, me, myself, I've kind of looked at Sam Ellinger, uh, the quarterback of Texas, as maybe a potential guy that could do something in the league. But uh, Trey Lance is a guy that is up there. Uh, guys like Matt Miller, who I have a lot of respect for, who do a lot of draft evaluation, they have uh, Trey Lance actually ahead of guys like Justin Fields as their QB2 in this upcoming draft, which speaks a lot because some people have Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, which I think is crazy and asinine at this point, as their QB1. So I think those three are probably a solid top three. Uh, and, and what hurts Trey Lance, he plays for North Dakota State, right? And that's probably why some of you out there don't know him, but uh, he's the real deal. He's a, he's a freak athlete. Let's remember uh, Carson Wentz went to a North Dakota State. Uh, we know Carson Wentz is a top 15-ish QB in the NFL. Uh, Josh Allen, my quarterback, my quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, uh, went to Wyoming. Didn't always look good, uh, but got into Buffalo. Got the right OC, got the right head coach, got the right GM, got the right players around him, and we see what Josh Allen's doing right now. Check out my last podcast, The Dudes Are Gonna Win MVP. Uh, Trey Lance has all the measurables. He's 6'3", he's like 230, athletic, big, physical, strong arm, has all the measurables. Uh, and he's a guy that if he gets in the right situation, I think he's going to be successful. And you can make an argument that he has physical attributes that are on par or even better than guys like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. And that's saying a lot because both those guys have extreme high-end physical attributes and could be QB1s in any particular draft. Just that Trevor Lawrence is the most high prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck, right? And that's over a decade ago. So Trey Lance is going to be a person to look out for. I'm also probably going to start doing a little bit more scouting in terms of talking about a lot of these guys. So once I start watching a little bit more tape on him, uh, some of his games from last year, I know he played uh, last weekend, didn't get to watch that, uh, was watching a lot of the other college football games. I'll, I'll be able to have a better opinion on him, but uh, I like Trey Lance. Now, I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode, the 207th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Next episode, we're going to have Ben Cameron on, for sure. Uh, we are going to do previews. For week five of NFL action, you're now everybody. I want to thank you all for tuning into this episode, the 207th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.